All right, and welcome back to the latest installment of the Metal Oasis podcast with me, your host, Adam, and Chris is back. Surprise, surprise. He's back. uh, Oh, yeah, Orion, sorry, you're here with us, too. Sorry. I I mean, I'm always, I'm always here. Omnipresent. Yes. Omnipotent? Omniscient? What does that mean? Omniscient and omnipotent. What does that mean? What, omnipotent? Doesn't mean all like powerful. Yeah. Oh. And omniscient is like all knowing, right? Uh-huh. I'm all powerful and all knowing. And all loser. Just kidding. Omni loser. Omni. <laughs> I'm gonna just slice off your hands and your feet and your head. <laughs> and then detectives won't be able to determine the identity. <laughs> Dental. Wait, so I'll just be like the guy from the one music video. Yeah. Yes. Except for just he had a head because on. he was still alive. Oh, Jesus. Oh, good point. Just no, like, eyes or ears or mouth. Or fingers or toes. Yeah, because he had no arms or legs. Anyways, that's what I'm going to do to you. Oh, great. Can't fucking wait. <laughs> I feel like you're just saying a very violent version of head, shoulders, knees, and toes right now. <laughs> that's that that is the like. alternate version <laughs> called no head, shoulders, <laughs> knees, or toes. <laughs> that's fucking brutal. Um, all right, so... Last week, we did All the Remains, The Fall of Ideals, a little metalcore action. And this week, surprise, surprise to fucking no one, going to do another Trivium album. Yay! We've only done three. Well, we've only done two. This will be the third. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, but we haven't done it yet. Well, we're doing it now. How Let's many are there? Like 10 at this point? Yes. Uh, yeah. Nine? Ten? Ten. 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 Yeah. Ten. And the core of the dragon was the tenth one. Yes. Uh, but this one, Silence in the Snow, is definitely a uh, a little bit of a left turn, I think, in terms of uh, definitely vocals from Matt Heafy. It's the first album to feature only clean singing, uh, no harsh vocals whatsoever. And I, the reason why Chris is here is because this buffoon claims that this is his favorite Trivium album, and I want to know more and want yeah. to know why. Well, it's 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 kind of easy. Honestly, never been the biggest Trivium fan. And then this album came out, and I'm like, this album is great. I like everything that's happening. Uh, and I really think it showcases uh, Matt Heavey's vocals more than especially their older ones. I feel like I, I never enjoyed his harsh vocals. I, I felt like he was... It sounded unhealthy, and the fact that he blew out his vocals right before doing this and had to kind of rehab his vocals kind of alludes to that, I think. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, and I, say, I, I like this album, and um, I mean, it's I think I'm kind of the mi- minority as well that I think it's a great album, and I think it's just it's interesting overall the divergent they take from Shogun through In Waves, Avengers Falls, and then to Silence in the Snow. Um, so, you know, it's definitely not, you know, one, I think that appeased a lot of the old fans, you know, who still, you know, wave the flag for Ascendancy and Shogun. And they're just like, where the, like, it's not until you get to the center of the sentence and in the core of the dragon where they kind of circle back. But this is where I think they really find their stride and get a lot more mainstream success. And I mean, Ryan, I've said this several times about their singles and, seen it at shows and complain about their set list. It was like, fuck, 
of all the songs they play from this album, why do they have to pick? They only play one. It's the only one they ever play. I know. I was like, why? Why? It's not. And I'll say this when we. Well, never mind. I'm going to save that. I'm going to leave that. Save it. Leave it it in the pot for when we get to it. All right. So diving in. Silence on the snow. Uh, Orion, give us some background. All right. So this is the seventh studio album by Trivium, released October 2nd, 2015 through Roadrunner Records. It is the only album to feature Matt Madeiro, who we met and his grandparents in Baltimore at the show, which was interesting. And we were several drinks deep and we had like a 45 minute conversation with this dude and his grandparents. Uh, We'll save that story for when we get talking about the album a little bit more. Um, in terms of you know influences, and this I think speaks a lot to why Chris likes this album in particular. Uh, Corey, the guitarist, cited that Rainbow, Black Sabbath, and Dio were their main influences for this album and their experience touring with Heaven and Hell in 2007. Um, we'll talk about this more when we get to the actual song. But Silence in the Snow was actually a song written and initially worked through for Shogun, and then they decided that it didn't quite you know match the intensity of the other songs on that album. And then they reworked it, and that ended up being the the title track for this song. Another interesting factoid: this is their first return of seven string guitars since Crusade and Shogun. They did not do that for In Waves, Vengeance Falls. So, yeah. So that's kind of a little bit of a, a breakdown of the you know history of this particular album and some of the musical influences and what to expect. So, I want to talk real quick about the album cover. Yeah, I mean, this is. I think one of the cleanest covers we've reviewed. It was the uh, how do you pronounce the Oni, it? It's an Oni skull. Yeah, the Oni skull. It's just yeah. so cool. It's just uh, it reminds me of Westworld. You know how like okay. the, yeah, the opening that. credits from Westworld where like the building the machines and building the people. Like it just has like that skull. It's almost like a suspended skull. Like it's a white backdrop. It's just white skull, white backdrop. Just cool as fucking shit and i mean that's you know I've, I've got that skull tattooed on my fucking trivium thigh and my trivium thigh so yeah. between my showed, other two thighs you showed but <laughs> we've talked about this story before but adam tell chris your apollo thigh story at the airport so it's actually pretty tattoo. insane yeah so i got the tattoo um right before um your bachelor party ryan and i got it like done i think seven weeks prior and then i got the color done like the couple days prior uh, i think it was like that sunday before we left to go down to uh charlotte and then it was at the end of september i think it was that we were going down to orlando uh for a vacation and you know Sierra and i go outside just waiting for our ride to pick us up and lo and behold, this guy about my height, bald as a cue ball, just walks on by me. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> is that is that Paulo? And Sierra's like, go talk to him. I was like, I, should I? Are you sure? She's like, yes, you fucking idiot. Go see him. Go talk to him. So obviously, you know, we're in shorts. We're in Florida. And I go over to him. I was like, excuse me. I don't mean to bother you, but are you Paulo the bass player from Trivium? He's like, yeah. I was like, I have something to show you. <laughs> so I just like gingerly roll up my shorts and I was like, 
I got this tattoo because I love this band. And mind you, I'm also wearing a blue button-down short sleeve shirt with bananas all over it. <laughs> <laughs> and you walk up to Paul. Yeah, I, like, I got something I was, to show you. And I just like, and I was like explaining to him, I was like, you know, I've got the Oni skull to write. It was like, up to that point, it was silence uh, in the sentence. And, you know, I was like, every piece of this tattoo represents some piece of the albums you've released. I've got the Oni skull for silence in the snow. I've got the samurai helmet for Shogun. It's got a blue hue behind it to represent the crusade and vengeance falls on the center of the helmet. It's got the uh, triangular diamond. Uh, triangular pendant for sin of the sentence it's got flames coming off the horns for ascendancy and ember and then uh the maxim at the bottom it's got um find strength to army to face my enemies which is the it's a maxim it's the lyrics from my favorite song cost of the ties that bind from in waves and he's like dude that's fucking awesome can i take a picture i'm like absolutely you may <laughs> and then i became instagram famous for like a day no big deal how wild is that, though, that you That's, just happen to be at yeah. the airport in Orlando and fucking Paulo's just happens yeah. to be there. And then, then, of course, we saw him, you know, last uh, fall at the meet and greet. Yeah. I was like, I have something to show you. He's like, you're that fucking freak from Florida. <laughs> Every time you say this story, I just imagine your dong is flopping next to your thigh when you throw it, show it to him. I mean, it was pretty throbbing. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that's awesome. Can I take a picture? That's what happens when you see your heroes. You know? Now you can. <laughs> Engage. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, this, I mean, the, the album cover, too, it just, it's so clean. And then, like, from that's the. That's what we were talking about. That's right. Yeah. But the. What, like, the. Like, thumbnail videos are releasing or our preview videos, like, they were, like, pouring, like, red blood all over it. It's just a very, like, artistic. Mm-hmm. scene it was pretty cool uh, i liked it but yeah this skull it definitely it's become kind of like their eddie in a sense it's becoming like, like their mascot, mascot. Their symbol yeah. yeah the other thing is um in my opinion this album kind of brought in some new fans um because it is a little more accessible and in some ways yeah. it kind of remind me of it's like their black album mm. and the sort of like clean even though it's a white obviously but that sort of like clean just presentation kind of reminded me of that too mm-hmm yeah, I think it was a very positive turn for them. And, and the marketing a, leading up to it was really was cool. awesome. Yeah, super cool. Worked really well. I will also admit, although the album going back to listen to now is pretty rough, the marketing for Vengeance Falls is pretty sweet. They had like a, like a phone number you could call into, and it was like a radio bunker and like all this cool stuff. It was super dope. The album came out, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. I listened to it more. I'm like, that's so good. Uh, but yeah, Sounds of the Still holds up. That's the one that was like Dave Draymond produced that one, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Disturbed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. It has a very chunky feel to it. Maybe after we review the other the other nine albums, we'll go back and do Vengeance Falls. But it'd be pretty low on my list of choices. Anyways, let's talk about this album. So yeah. Anyways, uh, I, I love the album cover. I'm ready to dive in. Yeah, I remember when it first when it came out and actually dropped. Um, so I'll just never forget, you know, because I hadn't heard any of the songs. And I was getting ready for work, put my shoes on, and I played Silence in the Snow. And I was like, God damn it. Because of like snowfall leading into Silence in the Snow. I was like, is this going to be it? Is this going to be it? Because after, at this point, this is kind of how I got back into Trivium. You know, uh, in waves, like Shogun, right? Masterpiece. 
In Waves comes out. I'm like, uh, okay. I loved In Waves. It kind of lost because of like it just wasn't didn't have like the. It's it, much. It, it wasn't Shogun. Yeah, it was much so more like, like atmospheric and weird and dark and. And now I really like In Waves, mm-hmm. but then. Avengers Falls comes out with Strife. I was like, Meh. okay. Like, where are the harsh vocals? Like, where's the heaviness that you have from Ascendancy and Shogun? But then Silence and Snow comes out. I'm like, okay, fingers crossed. Like, it's got this intro. Like, is there going to be heavy vocals? And it just comes out with Silence in the Snow. I'm like, God damn it. But I, I, I think they're more powerful that way, but that's just me. But, but I think, too, just like when you like a band so, for so long, and then they just they change their sound a bit. It's like, well, I just I want them to go back and bring the heaviness, which they do with you know the sin of the sentence, and finally with in the court of the dragon, the way that song just fucking opens is killer. But for Silence in the Snow, you know, I just remember watching the music video for it. I'm like, okay, that's a it's a really good song. He sounds good, and I think I texted Ryan because Matt Heafy had posted the day the album got released, and he's like, LOL, I can sing, you bitches. Uh, and that was just, I mean, he does sound very good on this album. Um, I mean, some of the songs you know, are definitely better than others um, in my eyes. So, yeah. we got Ron Anderson to be his vocal coach between he losing his voice and gaining it back. And and that dude's like a legend. He's done like what? Like Huge. Ozzy, yeah. Axel Rose, uh, Chris Cornell, like M Shadows. Like yeah. everyone yeah. has been through this dude who unfortunately his... passed away. But yeah, I would definitely say that Matt's vocals. I think that this album was a catalyst for the band going the direction they should go. Like, I think there's, you can make arguments as far as like what your favorite album is or things like that. But I think sounds of the snow leading into sin in the sentence is peak trivium ability. I think at that point it just becomes personal preference. I would argue that technically sin in the sentence might be their best album, but Favorites wise, Shogun is still my favorite. But you go from Silence of the Snow into Sin in the Sentence, and I think it just captures Alex Ben's insane drumming, Matt's vocals. I think are the best they ever sound, and they've kind of maintained. But from yeah. Silence of the Snow going into Sin in the Sentence, I think yeah, I think he he needed that reset, that vocal yeah. reset to really, and like this, you know, they was it someone said that you know this completes their transition of the billion blocks of metal to make that most their more popular sound, which I could definitely understand why, you know, cause you can only do, you know, the same sound for so long before it comes stagnant. And the one thing that I really think is great about this album are the guitars and the, the technicality of it all. Like it's great. And I would absolutely love to know what, you know, Paulo, Matt, and Corey would say about if they could re-record this album from scratch in terms of the drums. And just, I think sometimes like the drums fit, but it also holds them back as well because they're they're not they're not Alex Bench drums, you know, where just it just it fits so well for those the later songs and it's chaos at times. Whereas this album, it's very, it's almost, it's like the Avenged Sevenfold Hail of the King. It's just straightforward, just four on the floor, you know, four, four tempo. Like it's not a, I mean, four, four time signature, right? Like it's nothing that seems overly complicated for the drums. You know, there's good fills, there's good breaks into it all, but there's not like a, a nasty breakdown really in any of the songs. 
it just it's the drums just kind of hold the background hold the rhythm down doesn't really go outside and you know be you know uh you know extra or flamboyant or just do unnecessary fills so i I would be curious like what would alex bent do on some of these songs now you know stay with the stay with the structure but can he make do like little flourishes throughout to really make it heavier in in some sense so i just i thought i've always had i think it'd just be interesting now because at this point too we're talking about before we started you know yeah it's the shogun with travis who his drum tech uh nick augusto who comes in for in waves and Venice Falls, mm-hmm. and now Matt Madero comes in, who was the drum tech for Nick Augusto, and he's playing drums. And then he's like rushing this one album. Dolls. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's more like fucking um, Spinal Paul. Tap. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a green globule on a drum stool. Yeah. So from Shogun, so it went Travis for Shogun. Then his tech became the drummer for In Waves and Vengeance Falls. Then his tech became the drummer for Sons of Snow. Then his tech became like a touring drummer for like less than a year. And then Alex Bent became. Oh no, he wasn't. uh, I'm sorry. He wasn't 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 a drum tech. tech. He was a referral. He was just right. Yeah. Uh, And then he became the drummer. And then he was kicked out. And then Alex Bent became the drummer. Yeah. So a lot of drummers in a very short amount of time. There's been a lot of really funny memes that they've even posted about it. But, but I think now, like, this one was what was a good catalyst, I think, for them to propel forward for laying the guitar and, I guess, songwriting structures that become the sentence, sentence, and so forth after that. So, all right. Well, we've got the special edition. We've got 12 tracks. Uh well, 13, which includes the instrumental snowfall to lead it off. But we'll do 12 tracks. Are you ready to rock and roll, boys and girls? Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. First track, Snowfall. All right, Ryan, I know you really like this. Lead us off. I mean, I think it's cool. It's also, you know, Isan from Emperor composed it. It's fucking rad. You know, we've we've talked and sometimes we agree, sometimes we disagree as far as, you know, having kind of like epic openings to albums. I think for an album like this, it works really well. So I don't mind it. I think it's cool. I think it's a cool, you know, transition into Sounds of the Snow. So 
it's dope. I'm not going to rank it because no, yeah, but it's it's yeah. it's cool. I like it. Chris, your thoughts? Yeah, I didn't I didn't rank it either. I it is a really cool cameo to have Isan show up to, to do this composition. My only thing about it is every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, it, the first four notes. I'm like, is this the 1989 Batman soundtrack? It sounds like it's no, it, <laughs> it's the same. Thing. It's so close. I'm like, it does. What? It just it, the album should just kick off. And be like, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. <laughs> <laughs> the song starts. That would be perfect. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's fine. Um, I do. I like these uh, like the stuff better for concert openers. Yeah, you know where it's like it's. Or the ethereal sound gets you hyped up, ready to go, especially when you know, I mean, just like XC of Gold, right? You're XC of Gold, you know, you know what's coming. Um, but listening to it now, it really makes me wonder what could have been for the next track. And I'll talk more about that in a second. So, um, all right. Next track, aptly titled Silence in the Snow. Chris, we're doing this album for you. Lead us off. What do you think? I mean, I think this is a really powerful intro to the album. Like after that, you know, instrumental um, sort of uh, strings led uh, composed introduction. I mean, it hits hard. The bass is super thumpy uh, throughout the uh, verses. Um, when I first heard it, I'm like, oh, uh, Matt Heafy, you've been uh, I hear you've been touring with Dio. Just a little bit, maybe. Uh, I definitely hear like that that Dio esque influence in this, uh, especially in his vocal delivery. Um, but I think it's a really well written song instrumentally. Like you mentioned, Adam, like the, the drums are are fine, but they are nothing special. They're solid, but there's they're 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 pretty stock, is what how I would describe it. But I think the uh, the earworm of the chorus is is fantastic. Big fan, Ryan. So a uh, real quick thing that I want to throw on at two thirty, 
is cleans that then transition into i guess i think it's like a harmonized solo i think it's both Corey and matt playing this part at 2 30 That whole part of the song is just fucking awesome. So I love the chorus on Sounds in the Snow. The first time I heard the song, I had a similar reaction. I was kind of like, I feel like they're they give us a little bit more oomph. Like, where's this? Where's the harsh vocals? Where's the screaming? Where's the double bass? Like, oh, but then the chorus came in and the drums are, like you said, pretty cookie cutter. There's nothing crazy happening with the guitars. It's quite a bit slower than a lot of their other songs but it still has so much presence and just his vocal presence on this track is so, so strong. So I, I love this song. This was definitely a point for me where for lack of better description, I feel like I respected trivia more when I heard this the first time I was just like, okay, like this is, this is some good shit right here. And I was really impressed by Matt. So busting it out early, this song gets the ink for me. It gets the stamp first song on the album. Sounds of the Snow gets the ink. Sounds of the Snow is a 10 out of 10 for me. It's a fucking awesome song. It's a title track for a reason. Yeah, this one is, and I'd say this, this is one of the best title track songs that we've done this year, or not just this year, because we've done, yeah. It's it's damn good. It's really, really good. So I'm not gonna lie, while you were talking, I totally faded and forgot that we were gonna do rankings. Like shit, I need to rank this now. You I, I have my initial <laughs> ranking, but it will probably change by the time I usually let me lift the veil. I do a rough um ranking, and then I find that I usually switch like three or four by the time it actually gets to it. Sometimes when I listen to you guys talk about it, I have to change some things. I'm like, oh, didn't think of it that way. And I think that's part of the reason people listen to this. Probably it's mostly because of our uh, numerous anecdotes on street sharks that I feel like most people I, tune in. Yeah, after <laughs> they that. need to rank their sharks. That's our next <laughs> That's podcast. Totally awesome. Oh Jesus. Um. <laughs> yeah. So going back to what I was saying for snowfall, you know, I would have, and again, going back to if they could just rework the drums, I would love to see how this song would fit in with Shogun. I think the imagery for the samurai and like the the uh, lyrical imagery of this song is fucking just dope. I'm just imagining mm-hmm. just a samurai just like or just two samurais just lurking like up in the you know snowy mountains just preparing to you know fight to the death. And again, as I said, a little not disappointed, but just want begging for more and like give me the. Where's like the the harsh scream that's gonna bellow out, ripping into the solo? Like, just where is it? And the more you listen to this song, it's just wow. Like his his cleans are good. I mean, when he says, you know, I can sing now, he takes that to heart, and he really does, you know, a great job on I think making himself a better vocalist and making sure he's a strong vocalist and not gonna wear himself out. Uh, But the I, I love the second verse just overall composition just 
a nice guitar flourishes throughout, but just that, like you said, Chris, thumping bass undertone. It's real groovy, uh, which I think they have a great time. They do that a, a great bit uh, throughout verses and a lot of their songs is where the guitars kind of drop and just let Paulo just ride with the bass. And, you know, I'm going to love that shit all day. But just the words, you know, hell hath no hold on a warrior's mind. See how the snow has made each of us blind. Vibrant colors spray from new dead, staining the earth such a beautiful red. And the way he does that vibrato on vibrant colors, um, spray from new dead, it just, it's, and right off the gate, he's showing, he's like, I can sing. I can hold these notes and it really stands strong. So, um, and then just like that kind of groovy breakdown before it gets into the, you know, I'm left in the cold as winter unfolds. The blood on my hand is my own. Just, it's good. And yeah, I would not give this the 10 out of 10 that Orion gives it. Uh, but I do, I know, I give like a 9.5 out of 10, which I'm going to write that down. 9.5. solid. Yeah, it's a it's a good song. Great way to open the album. I think it is a great showcase uh, to the world, especially coming out of Vengeance Falls. It's like, look, bitches, I can sing. And it's great. So good, good track. So, all right. Next track. The Blind Leading the Blind. I saw you go. You played this shit for like four minutes. I was like, I I fucking love this song, man. Uh, Well, lead us off. You go first this time. Yeah, dude. So, yeah, Blind Leading the Blind. I I fucking love this song. It is such a sleeper in terms of, you know, because they don't really play a lot of songs on this album live. I think some of you are missing out on how great this fucking song is. Mm-hmm. It, it is just, you know, one thing I do really like about this album too is that it kind of, because it is diverging away from like the metalcore sound, you know, that in 2015 I was very still big involved with and wanted more of. Listening to this album today in preparation, I was like, man, this is just a great 
heavy metal album. You know, it's good guitars, strong vocals. And I was, as I was just daydreaming right now, I was like, man, how awesome would it be to hear Iron Maiden and Bruce Dickinson sing this song? Like, I think it would be awesome just the way that he could, that he's stretching these notes and has a full, you know, diaphragm pumping this sound and energy out. Just, I can imagine Bruce now is like, with his high pitches, like blind, leading the blind to see. It just, <laughs> you know, and it's like that, that more of like that guttural point that he can get sometimes of with Bruce, like calling, calling for action. And I get to see how awesome that would be. And I'm kind of pissed that we didn't go to Denver to go see Iron Maiden Trivium, but you know, here we are. Trivium set list would have been like three songs. That's, that's okay. But anyway, um, yeah, this song, I mean, this, all in all, it's like it just has a driving groove throughout. The drums are great because they fit the song so well. Uh, the again, the lyrical content on this—it's it, a really good song. It's just about trying to break free and you know stop, you know, being a follower and just make that left turn when everyone's going straight and stop, you know, being a follower. So, good song, good, good, good song. This was one of the singles, wasn't it? It. I don't know. Pretty sure it was. Pretty sure it was one of the first released songs. Um, I'll just go real quick. This song is um, it's super fun. I love the vocal delivery in it. It's very upbeat. Matt is kind of flexing his his vocal range a little bit more on this song. It's just a fun it's a fun tune. I like it a lot. And the music video is very funny if you've never seen it before. Uh, It's it's like a dive bar cover band playing this song while the different members of Trivium are you know, making money playing pool and arm wrestling and shit like that. But it's it's a super fun video. It's very funny. The song's great. I, I like it a lot. It's pretty high on my list. I yeah. hadn't heard it in a while, actually, before we decided to do this album. But it's dope. It's a sleeper that deserves a bit more speeds. I like it a lot. So you guys have seen Trivium more often than I have. Um, when they do songs from this album and they have, har- do they do the harmonies live or do they just mainly sing like I the, think, the back and forth vocals? I think it's mostly, it's the mostly back and forth stuff. If okay. I remember, right. But if I was, oh, sorry, go ahead. one of my favorite things about this album is every time they have, like they have the, they have really good clean vocals, but they have really like um, what's like um, on purpose. Like, uh, sorry, I'm trying to think of the word. It's like harmony with a purpose. Right. So like in in well, like the, the second last part where he one, says you know, he says like calling, calling for action. It has like that kind of a delay in a sense. Oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Going, but I mean, like know, these harmony vocals are very um, traditional metal in a way. It's like this sounds in some ways like a this sounds ridiculous because it's a fast ass song, but it sounds almost like a slowed down power metal song. Like it, and it makes it groovy. So you <laughs> yeah. have those harmony yeah. vocals, and you have the groove, and it it actually makes it sound more like arena rock. Like I could see this as a big like crowd involvement song because just the chorus is so catchy and so singable. Right? It's such a just a good anthemic song. Yep. Um, yeah. So very much yeah. so. I yeah. like it. I I I'm trying to recall. I think we may have only gotten to see the song once. I'm pretty sure we saw them play this right at that show in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the only time I think we've gotten to see it. Yeah, and it was fucking awesome. It was. Yeah, and just like I think the was it one of the verses he's like think think for yourselves you must break out of this hell. Um, like I just like the way he just it's almost like he's spitting. Think think for yourself. Like just and then the uh, 
I guess as a pre-core is like the bearer of light, break down the walls, remove the chains, run towards the night. That's just such a cool, it's a cool line because it just has like this almost like just droning sound to it in the guitars. Um, yeah. Cool mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. Dope track. It should get more, more plays. I would, I'll probably say this a couple of times. I would happily substitute this song for many of the songs they pick for their live set now. All right, next track, Dead and Gone. Pumpkin, what do you think? Are you talking about the guy whose shirt make looks like a pumpkin? That's what or... I, was, I was actually going to ask the same thing. I'm wearing an orange shirt. Do you mean cutesy pumpkin Ori or Princess dressed like a pumpkin? Me. Uh, cutesy Ori. Fair enough. <laughs> Got you, you dope, Chris, is, Chris is just like a pumpkin me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, dude, this is a chunky song. Chunky and crusty and thick. I love this song. This is an awesome banger of a track. His vocals sound fantastic. I love the riff, the way the song comes in. I like his kind of fade in and fade out vocals at the beginning of the song. It's a tasty ass song. And anytime it comes up, I'm like, God damn, I need to listen to that song more. And I, then I forget about it for a couple of years. Then it comes back. I'm like, God damn, it's a good song. I can listen to it more. And then a couple more years go by. And then I'm like, God damn, it's a tasty ass song. I can listen to it more. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this is an awesome, awesome song. Uh, you know what I'd like to do with this song? Use it to replace a lot of the songs they pick for their set list. Here's another one. Yeah, so... Man, I'm just my fucking broken record over here. The the That crunchy bass in the verses and that super just ethereal, just haunting echo like effect that he's got with his voice it's pretty fucking cool and it definitely for a song called dead and gone it definitely embodies that spirit 
I mean, no pun intended, uh, pretty well. Mm-hmm. And again, he he sounds so so strong in his vocal capabilities with that. And then I, I just like how the the solos just dump in like just like blistering, just you know, fly to the bumblebee speed, just just it's cool. And you know, I you know when I when I read the tracks like Sounds of Snow, cool track, Blindly and Blind, cool track, Dead and Gone, eh, it's kind of wimpy title. But then the plays, I'm just like, ah, that's that is pretty tasty. Like, it, it's not a go-to, for, uh, but when it comes on, I'm like, ah, oh, yes, like it is fucking cool. And I think this would be like us when we saw uh, Leopard Messiah the other night. It was like, would sit there, and be like, is that what I think it is? And then it finally comes, and it's like, oh, that's a cool fucking song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chris, what do you think? Um, I agree with everything you guys are saying. Uh, I think this is like a lesson in seven string guitar work where it doesn't have to sound muddy and incomprehensible. Like it's a very melodic song, despite how thick it is and how many like just a great low end thump on that on that seven string guitar. Um, the the chorus is also surprisingly melodic. Like once you get out of the um, the sludge of the intro of it. Um, I also originally when I listened to this, I'm like, oh, it sounds like almost Hetfield like vocals, right? Like it's like that point where he's breaking, like he's getting to that growl range. Um, but I think it's more like Chuck Billy, like from Testament it has that kind of like gr- grit to it. Yeah. Uh, which I'm a fan of. But yeah, all in all, I basically disagree with what you guys are saying. And the, the other thing too, just the, the, the chorus being just, Bearing down, bearing down on me, the weight of all my insecurities, closing in, closing in on me, the walls collapse, I'll never face the pain. He's the delivery on this is just so goddamn strong, man. So damn strong. So pasty, chunky, and crusty. It's mm. like a it's like your it's it's like a waffle house hash brown. You want it chunky. I don't think the other adjectives you are diarrhea options. after. If you're you said, a bitch. No, you said uh, crunchy taste. No, tasty. <laughs> I'll chunky, take my hash browns. Crispy, crunchy, peanut buttery. Peanut Wait, buttery. if it's crunchy and tasty, then so you got the crunch, you got the, the chunky from all the toppings. You've got the tasty because they're Waffle House hash browns. And you got the crusty from the cook's ash from a cigarette, just mm-hmm. topping it right on top. So from now on, we will only be ranking songs based on hash brown bowls right. at IHOP. Like this song's kind of dice. What I really wanted was was chunked and smothered. Moving on. And I'm more of a chunked and peppered kind of guy. Maybe oh. a little uh what's the one uh, onion smothered? No. Yeah, onion smothered. smothered. Yeah. I'll take the I'll take the hash browns. Tasty. You don't want them nasty tonight, baby? No, I'll take them tasty. <laughs> Everything I okay, order, no matter what I say, it's just regret. It's like I'll yep. take these with a side of regret. Yep. Well, that's what you get. Coming right up. Do you want that uh, single, double, or triple all the way? Triple regret? I'll take that. <laughs> all right. Let right. me throw this chair at you and we'll get started. <laughs> uh, next track. The Waffle ghost... House. Oh, <laughs> nope. Speaking of, uh, real quick, Chris, do you remember the video for the Denny's? That like hardcore oh, band yeah. that played in a, in a broken down. What the fuck is up, Denny's? Denny's? You didn't oh, see yeah. this uh, What's up? What the fuck's up, Denny's? Denny's. <laughs> These fools try to recreate it in a high hop I hop the other day, like a different band. I'm just like, mm-mm. No, not it's funny. not, it's not, not funny. Cannot catch lightning in a bottle twice, young lady. That's right. So not wrong. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Anyway, next track, The Ghost That's Haunting You. So I have very mixed feelings about this track. I'll start with the the negs. I don't really love the guitar intro, the thing. And Matt's vocals sound a little whiny at the beginning. And then he really channels his er- inner Kurt Cobain. Oh my god! Hard. I just typed Kurt Cobain. It's <laughs> in my notes right here. That every time I hear that section of the song, I'm just like, ugh, ugh. but then when it gets well, to the what song is it? What part is that of the song? The beginning, the verse. Just here, play the very beginning of the song again, or like the the first time his like vocals really start getting, I guess, slightly crunchy, and tell me it doesn't sound like Kurt Cobain. This beginning part is played out for a little bit. When the, when the fry comes in, it's yeah. Not yet. What the hell? Nirvana pops up. Absolutely. 100% going for his Kurt Cobain. That section of the song, every time I heard it and still hear it, I'm like, God, I don't love that. But then when it gets to, I guess, the main chorus, the standing six feet deep, am I the only one? And the save, save yourself. Awesome. Super awesome. So the song frustrates me because it has some really, really fantastic highlights, especially that chorus piece. But that weird vocal fry Kurt Cobain thing going on and like the kind of whiny-esque vocals. I don't love them. So this song is... The song frustrates me. It shouldn't be a middling track. It really shouldn't be. So I'm not going to quite throw that at it, but the song could be better. If it were more of that kind of main chorus section or whatever, the song would be a banger. But that Kurt Cobain part, mm-mm, don't love it. Um, it's so funny. Like, I just I literally sent you a screenshot of my notes of um, Kurt Cobain 
influence for sure. And not only that, the riff, like you mentioned at the beginning, it's compared to other trivium things. It doesn't do a lot, right? It's not particularly. Um, well, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be not complex inspiring. to be good. Yeah, it exactly. doesn't have to be. But like, think about the last song we just did, "Dead and Gone." That's not a complicated riff either, but it hits much it's harder. Yeah. This is very. I wrote down it's very new metal sounding like at the mm-hmm. beginning, like the, you know, what is it? Mid 2000s thing. It, this sounds like what is it? Ten year old Jonathan Davis listening to Kurt Cobain and then wrote this song. Right. It, it's very derivative. It has a catchy ass chorus. That's the only redeeming factor for it. I find it other than that. It's like it, it sounds like late 90s, early 2000s influence rock and it's nothing special in my opinion but adam you are about to rage quit this conversation so let's hear what you have to say (laughs) i fucking love that guitar (laughs) intro (laughs) (laughs) i just it when i think of the title the ghost that's haunting you and it just starts off with just has that really just kind of creepy sound to it and like what's about to happen and you know what it feels like to me this is gonna sound really mean it feels like someone at a high school talent show is showing off that they learned how to play guitar and this is their shining moment that's what that intro feels like to me that's very damn that's a little harsh, I realize now as I'm saying as it. As being but... that person at one point in my life, that's what I would play. <laughs> Y'all but check I just, this shit out. I imagine the curtains open and the spotlight goes on. It's like... <laughs> it's me. I've listening to a lot of Nirvana recently. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. It's not, it's not a shit song. We've talked it's about shitty bad, songs but... on this podcast. It's yeah. by no means a shitty song. But I like the guitar, Andrew. I think it's... It alludes to the again when I'm listening to music, I just like I picture stories in my head and you know, me, like music videos in my head, right? About what the lyrics are portraying, and all that stuff. And the ghost that's haunting you, it's like, oh, that's a really weird like apparition. It's like it's story time, like get ready, here we go. And I like the bridge, I actually was thinking more like Breaking Benjamin kind of vibes with it. And y'all, you know, when you said Nirvana, I'm like, thank you, like, I should, like it was irking me, like, what else does this fucking sound like? And but when it finally gets to the pre-chorus of the course, it is cool. Like then it like it, it like pays ode or whatever homage to you know new metal and Nirvana and all that crap um, in the bridge. But then it gets back into Trivium sound with you know the what have I done? What have I become? Standing six feet deep, am I the only one? And just again, that vocal delivery is strong as fuck. And we get back to a Trivium chorus. Um, so. You know, I, I I like this song a lot. I think it's fun to listen to, you know, going through the album and stuff. Like, it's not a skipper at all, uh, but I, I just think that... And there are certain times where, like, where is the meaningful impact of playing certain guitar parts? And I can see where the intro doesn't make sense because it's there's really nothing else, nowhere else in the song do you really hear that again. But it's I think it sets the stage for what the song becomes in, in terms of, like, the the lyrical content. So I think it's, I think it's a fine song. A fine song. It's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> we all agree. Just all right, different perfect. emphasis it's on fine. the word fine. <laughs> it's fine for a giant 
pile of steaming. <laughs> it's, 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 it, it really Jeez. is. It's fine. It's fine. Fine. It's fine. What was that Nightwish song that we tore apart for like a really fucking long time? I can't remember what song it was. Uh, the Poet and the Pendulum. Maybe that oh, was yeah. it. We just couldn't stop shitting on it. You're like, you know what? Like this album is it's like not as heavily discussed. We have to, you know, I have varying opinions at all. But you're like, this song fucking sucks. It sucks. <laughs> it was just you and Rachel. Was it? Yeah, oh shit. Too. This makes it even better. Never mind. My bad. All right, next track. Pull me from the void. So um, with this song, it's if I was talking to Matt Heafy in person, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Black Sabbath and Iron Maiden. I'd be like, oh, really? <laughs> Never would have guessed. <laughs> uh, I feel like it's uh, it, that intro. You know, it's very, uh, you know, early doom, like that kind of like um, rivage of, of classic Black Sabbath and then unapologetically directly into an Iron Maiden inspired uh, lead and and the, the thrashy drums. Uh, I love the um, vocal delivery on it. And I will say, in, in my opinion, this is one of the better composed guitar solos on the album. I think it's great. Big fan of of how it just fits perfectly. It's like one of those solos that you're just like, yep, that belongs here. Well done. <laughs> uh, very well written. Um, yeah, I have nothing else to say except for I like it. <laughs> And I, I like every part of it, especially the breakdown. It's one of those slightly anticipated uh, sort of odd, odd time signature riffs, but still very groovy at the same time. Um, great breakdown after all that that thrashing. But yeah, big fan. This is a song that I would also sit down with Matt and just be like, do this more often. Do shit like this more. Like this works. This this is very good. Do this more. I would say just kind of at a like a high level, this is a fantastic metal song. Like I think if you just didn't tell somebody this was trivium, you know, even people who are metal fans, and just be like, hey, listen to this song. Most people 
that like metal fans would really like it, especially people who like kind of, you know, classic heavy metal. And then in addition to that, I think, frankly, regardless of what genre of music you like, there would be something from the song that you would really dig, whether it be the groove or the, you know, the vocal delivery in the chorus, everything like that. So I'm going to go ahead and lick my stamp because probably from the void also gets the I banger stamp stamp the shit out of this for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking awesome song. Adam. Uh, this fucking song is awesome. In when the song starts, it's, it's got a, a definitely a big slowdown from the ghost that's haunting you. And really the blind leading the blind, it just has this much more slower, methodical, groovy part to it. But then once the right, because song really starts and that guitar comes in, God, it's so fucking catchy. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's so it's so fun to listen to. And then it the it just that guitar part plays and then it just starts driving the train forward faster and faster and faster. And as I've said out before, his vocals, like on the pre-chorus, you know, just bellowing out, I smash the shackles, and it has this echo of God above me, and then your world is toxic, now sink and let me be. And just, you know, pull me from the void, trapped beneath the tide of noise, pull me from the void, pathetic world I must destroy. Just cool as shit. I mean, I, I like that shit, man. It, it, you're right, it's just a really good heavy metal song. Mm-hmm. You know, if you put this in the 80s it would fit right in i think with you know really any big you know band from back then just has that just grooving sound to it all throughout Mm -hmm. yep definitely agree well i guess we should move into your next your favorite song Uh, yes but let's remind ourselves to take the lens and the ear hole of just the song by itself and not every inevitable concert experience where the song comes on and we both turn to each other and go, Ugh. just take the song for what the song is. All right. Next track, Orion's favorite until the world goes cold.
So I like this song. I was cooking dinner tonight and, you know, just running through the album. And I was like, the way the song opens is really unique in the, in the sense that for a ballad, it's got a nice, like, just kind of drum intro. Um, that sounds spectacular on it. The the story that is being told in it is, you know, it's um, it's a creepy love story throughout of like trying to find you know, atonement in it all. The groove in it is is pretty nice. The solo in it is great, but it just has so much fatigue because here we are six songs in and how much we like silence in the snow, blind leading the blind, dead and gone, pull me from the void. Why aren't those songs played live? You know, I know I was actually just looking at set lists, you know, that, you know, from this Baltimore set list. Right. And anytime there's any type of representation from silence in the snow, it's only this song. It's only this song, and granted, it is a big single. It's got 66 million plays. Um, it had a music video for it. It was on... Where did it, it hit the billboard. It was number 10 on mainstream rock radio. So, I mean, it was it's a big single, so I understand why they play it. But us as, you know... I would say true Tribune fans in the sense of we follow the band, we see them whenever they're on tour, we get the albums, yada, yada. You know, I just don't want to hear this song anymore. You know, fuck the Fairweather casual fan. You need to play for me. <laughs> well, it's, it's also one of those things where, well, I'm sorry, you, I didn't mean to cut you off. Are you, do you have anything else you want to add? I'm good, buddy. I just, I, listening to the song and the scope of the album, I think it's great. It's a nice slowdown right in the middle of the of the album. It's got a cool story. The it's haunting in a sense. It works well for the album. Anywhere else outside of this album, I don't want to hear it. And when they play it live, it sounds great live. Don't get me wrong. I'm just tired of fucking hearing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Definitely a fatigue thing. So I'll just I'll be quick. The song by itself, take away us seeing them a bunch of times. I think the song is fine, right? It's groovy. The layered vocals thing going on is pretty cool. The chorus is catchy. It's super digestible. I don't really have any major complaints. It's a very approachable, radio-friendly song. It's fine, right? But I definitely agree. Definitely fatigued seeing it at shows. And, you know, people can make the argument, oh, well, it's because you guys have seen them like a fuckload of times and you're just tired of hearing it. It's it's only been nine, guys. Fuck off. Well, here's what I was going to say. I've seen Metallica after Jersey. I'm pretty sure that was my eighth and ninth time seeing Metallica. And I've seen them play Nothing Else Matters at every single show. And I, when I know, even though I know it's coming on, I am thrilled to see it 
every single time. And yes, I know it's not fair to compare fucking Nothing Else Matters, one of the most, <laughs> you know, iconic metal songs ever to Until the Here World Gets Cold. Not this song. God, that was so funny. <laughs> Dude, nothing Else Matters. Shut the fuck up, Adam. It's Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, this is awesome. But <laughs> that was so funny. I mentioned it a couple episodes ago. God, that was such a funny transformation from your initial oh, yeah. Until the World Goes Cold rage. Just like disappointment. You look disgusted for like a second. And then the switch flicked and you're like, oh wait, never mind. It's Metallica. Anyways, yeah, it's frustrating because this song is it's fine. But I don't need to see it anymore. Just doesn't need to be on the set list anymore. So yeah, it's it's an okay song. I'm just pretty tired of seeing it. Yeah. Any thoughts, Chris? Yeah. Um, so my notes number one just, for Chris. Oh yeah, the best. No, uh, my my main notes are like it's the hilariously obvious radio play pull right it's it's the it's the radio single and then i realized it's a it's a five and a half minute song like it it is technically not radio friendly um even though it has 50 million more listens than any of the other songs on the album um but i think it's mainly because the one thing i don't get tired of is there's some really cool guitar work in this song right Mm -hmm. at 305 and and that's just what puts the time limit over what i think is radio friendly they let them noodle at 305 a little bit more than they would and it's great guitar work Some tasty stuff in there, just in the middle of a radio ballad. Yeah. Yeah. And, th- and again, you know, it's again, it's, it's, I don't like seeing it when they do play it live. I'm just like, it, it is a good song. They do a great job playing it live. And it is, it is a good song, but I'm just, I'm just tired of hearing it. Fatigue. But I will say, I like hearing, I'd rather hear this song than The Heart from Your Hate. You know, if I had to pick one of those two songs, I'd rather hear this. Um, over that and strife, but here we are. Yeah, yeah. Thinking on it, yeah, that's fair. All right, All right. and yeah, I was just looking at the set list. It's in every goddamn set list, getting back to when the album was released. I'm like, fuck, dude. The so, uh, European shows recently, though, those sons of bitches. Oh, they didn't play it. Uh, they didn't. They haven't been playing it. At their recent shows. The only. They played Heart From Your Hate and Strife, but not this song. But they also played, I'm going to say it really, really fast. This is the set list of the recent shows in Europe. In the Court of the Dragon, Sit of the Sentence, Strife, Feast of Fire, Pull Harder, and then Curious Men, Torn Between Scylla and Charybdis, Down From the Sky, The Calamity of Prometheus and the Crucifix, Poison the Knife of the Noose, Entrance of the Conflagration. Hard from your hate gunshot than when in waves. Killer. Yeah. Fuckers. All right. Well, maybe when they come back overseas, they'll rise above the tides and give us a nice set list. So <laughs> next track, Rise Above the Tides.
All right, Chris, lead us off on this track. Okay, yeah. So Rise Above the Tides, again, has that really uh, chunky bass tone uh, in that really tasty riff that happens throughout the song. Um, my only complaint with it is it's it's almost a four-minute song, and I feel like it doesn't have a lot in it. Like, I get bored about halfway through it. I feel like I've heard most of the song by the time I get to the bridge, which is fine, but, and it might be album placement. Like a lot of these songs are a little formulaic, right? They do the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge. Let's do the chorus and then let's stop. And and I feel like maybe just because this is the eighth song of the album, I, I I feel like this didn't add anything new for me. So although it has a really tasty riff at the beginning, about two minutes in, I'm like, okay, okay, I'm ready for the next one. This is one of my middlings which I think I see Rage and Adam's face. I'm not sure. We'll see what happens. Nope. Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, I, there's, I would agree with Chris on some components of that. I will say, though, like there's one part of it that's, that's funny to me, like the very beginning vocals, like the she'd rather let the ocean take whatever. It almost sounds like, <laughs> like Matt's like tripping like falling as he's recording it. You know what I mean? It's like there's more words that he was expecting he needed to say in the amount of time given to him. Like just play that part real quick. I've always felt like it's too many words for that section. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but it, it sounds like no, it's a little rushed. It's like, a, like it feels like he's trying to like they were like, all right, Matt, you got four seconds. Here are all the words you need to say. And he's like, well, Jesus Christ, I'm not going to be able to fit all this. Uh, but that being said, I've always liked this song. I, I would say, I don't think it's a middling track. I think it actually places well on the album, but I would agree. It doesn't necessarily add anything new in the sense of it's not a standout track, but it's still a good song. Like I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but I think it's it's good placement. I think it's a solid song. It's not a standout for me, but I, I I think it's it's a good song to keep on the up. Yeah, and by middling again, I'm just, I'm talking about only this album, not as a song. And like when I'm listening to this album in this order, at yeah. this point it can more. It doesn't. If have I heard the same... it in like a mix, it's a little different. Yeah, it's not going to have the same like gravitas as some of the other songs. Right. It's it's still good. Here comes Adam. Cock slap us both with rage. Chris, did you watch The Office at all? Yes. Ryan, did you watch? Did you, well, you watch The Office, right? Oh yeah. So there was an episode, right, where Jim is pranking Dwight about how he doesn't 
waste time at work. <laughs> I don't exactly And there's the scene <laughs> where he Jim is talking to Andy about Battlestar Galactica or or something. And he and, just makes up all this nonsense. And, he's making, and then Dwight turns around and Jim's got the stopwatch and then he just turns around and just has this paper and just slowly crunching it in his hands of the frustration that he is having to overhear between two fucking morons because this song fucking rocks. And <laughs> I love this song. I think the stumbling through the words, I, I think it works pretty well. I don't mind. No, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just funny to me the way the song kicks off. Well, yeah, but but like that, and but then just the words of you know, let the water fill her lungs like the air that she hates to breathe. Now lost at sea. I I like this the anthemic you know feel to the you know ways just rise rise above the tides. The waves will pull you under if you don't fight. It's just like a you can do it, water boy. And the next verse where i mean i this is probably one of my all-time favorite verses of slowly sinking to the bottom of the sea unconcerned that there's no oxygen since she hates to breathe not lost at sea like the way that's delivered is so damn good and i think it's this part in the song hold on like right here this part's cool yeah yeah that modulation up classic pop trick does add a little bit of interest to it just the double bass through that line it just gives me fucking chills every time I listen to it. Uh, this is not a middling track. It is, I think, exactly what I fucking need after listening to Until the World Goes Cold. Um, it is a fucking criminal shame that this only has 4 million plays. Uh, because this is the first appearance of Le Stamp. Because oh, it gets the fucking 10 out of 10 for this guy. I, when I think of this album, I always think of Rise Above the Tides and a couple others, but this one is at the tippy, tippy top. So you buffoons can fuck off. Fair enough. It's okay to be wrong sometimes. (laughs) (sighs) I'm just imagining us at like a show and Chris and I like nodding like, it's pretty good. Also, I forgot the most important part. So... I wanted to, in 2016, right? We saw Trivium with Sabaton oh, yeah. um, at the soundstage. This is their set list. Oh, Open, yeah. Opening, opening their set list with Strife. What, what the fuck? Uh, but then Gunshot, Forsaken Out the Dream, Rise Above the Tides, Throws Perdition, Dead and Gone, Entrance of the Conflagration, Detonation, Pillars of Serpents, Until the World Goes Cold, Avi, Avi, Down from the Sky, Rain, Pull Harder, and End Waves. A pretty good set was, list, actually. It was, and I was crowd surfing to rise above the tides, and I was like, "Oh yeah, Orion, I'm rising above the tides." Yeah. <laughs> I remember that because ah, I fucking was that love not that your father's root beer show. 
No, no, no. That was the one before when we met right. um, the grandparents. So that's right. <laughs> the grandparents. That's right. That was wasted on not your father's roof. You're talking to the drummer's parent grandparents. Yep. <laughs> so, but yeah, rising you know. above the tides, man. Yeah. So, all right. Next track. Uh, the thing that's killing me. Hey, Chris, what do you think, buddy? So um, the very beginning of this song, when the guitars start um, harmonizing, it's like I just put in my Guilty Gear disc. Like it has yeah. like that same sound as, oh, as dude, that, I right? have. I literally have video game soundtrack. I feel yeah, like I'm playing it, Tony Hawk or Matt Hoffman. Right. Right. Now. right. That's not a bad thing, by the way. Um, there's a huge thread fe- uh, shred fest that happens right at like 213. I think that's where you stop it. So you don't have to play it again. But that's when the guitars go nuts. Um, I'm a big fan of that. There's one part of it. Uh, it's during the pre-chorus part where it's like hungry for wor- for unworthy. You're the undeserving. There's some pop punk like influence there that irks me slightly. It's just that melody that he sings. I, it just reminds me of like a I, there's like a Blink 182 song or some 41. There's a song that has that same sort of structure in the vocals. I, I don't know where that is time wise, but it's right before the chorus. And every yeah. time I hear that, I'm like, mm, that sounds like something else to me. But other than that one part, I, the guitar work on this is probably peak. Like technique wise, it's pretty nutso when it comes to this song. Yeah, I I just wrote down like just it's not a dive bomb, but just that <laughs> that opening. I was like, yeah, that's so it's like shooting cool. asteroids, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, but I, you know, this is just a just to pump you up feel it's it's funny it's a feel good song i think but you know it just you're the <laughs> ungrateful unworthy you are the undeserving no honor no valor no fucking gratitude you are the wrong that i must write you are the thing that's killing me now i can see and like it just it's it's great and again 
all the fucking verses just have that crunchy bass thump throughout it and it just sucks me right in so you have that awesome intro crunchy bass you know solo well not solo but you know uh verse and then the the guitar is going nuts in the background of the chorus and then this awesome fucking solo like this is an awesome fucking song it's up there dude it is fucking up there for me Ryan? it's 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 a weird song um it feels like video game ish like for some reason the first like whenever i heard the song it made me feel like i'm gonna play like matt hoffman or tony hawk or something like that like it has that vibe to it there's almost some offspring ish vocal deliveries in this song too yeah. there's like an offspringy kind of feel to it the solo and the, the guitar stuff is very tasty this is a fun song i would say this song for me is a sleeper it's a song that I'm never mad when it comes up, but I will candidly say I always forget about it. I always forget about the song. And then whenever I hear it, I'm like, that's a pretty good song. And then I'll forget about it again for a while. But uh, it's great. It's it's a solid song. Good addition to the album. I do like it. Yeah, I, I do sleep on it at times, too. But then when it comes in, it's like that dive. It's like, oh, yeah, it's this song. It's fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Heading down the back half now. Next track, Beneath the Sun. Beneath the Sun, I think, coming after Rise of the Tides, I think that's killing me. This is a good slowdown. However, it, it to me, it feels very middling. I don't like the intro. Um, I, I, if, it, if there was one way to get, get to the verse quicker, I think I'd like the song more. But the only thing that I think really saves this song for me is there's one part after the guitar solo that really just was like, I, I get kind of blown back. Like, man, that's fucking good. I'm inside, 
It, just that part is on and on. The world must burn, and as the ashes, we return to dust. Like that is the only saving grace for me. That why I choose not to skip this song because the part after that solo, which it's a good solo, it's got some chunk and groove into it, but that part there is just that's like chef's kiss. Like it's so good, but just in the song overall, I just it doesn't do a lot for me outside that one part. Hopping, yeah. Uh, I like this song. I of think you do. It's, it's cool. It's not. It's not getting the stamp. It's not getting the Good. ink or anything okay. like that. Okay. But okay. I, I do like it. Uh, the reason is because I really like it when songs have that really like atmospheric feel to it. You can almost visualize something pulled from the song. So when I hear the song, it sounds, for lack of a better description, like a metal song in the desert. Like I can, yeah, feed I can that, that kind yeah. of feel to it, which is really really cool. Um, it's I think it's overall pretty solid. I I will say this is a song that kind of blends in for me when I haven't heard it in a while. But the more I listen to the song, the song has grown on me over the past several years. This was for a while for me. Not I wouldn't go so far as to say a skipper, but it becomes like background song. I found yeah. myself kind of tuning out, but the more I listen to it, the more I like it. So it's gotten to a point where. I do like this song quite a bit. I, I don't think it stacks up to some of the others, but it's solid. So I like it. It's cool. So um, I agree with what you're like that. The whole like desert style. It's like a harmonic like Middle Eastern kind of, kind of like middle, yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the other thing is I, I hear like a couple of again, I keep referring to other influences. Vocal harmony is very Alice in Chains at the beginning. Hmm. I, in my opinion sure uh yeah. during the core it has that same um dissonance to it and then right at the the pre-chorus uh which uh right at where it says like i burn from the inside out that has that like hard punch and to me it sounds like hey i've been hanging out with dave draven for our whole last album like it has that almost disturbed like sound to it mm -hmm. just during that pre-chorus um I, I like the bridge. I, I, I mentioned, I put in a little comment that it's, it has like a musical theater element to it where it has that sort of call and response vocal style, which is really cool. Be neat to see that live. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like this song was placed well. Like I felt like we needed something a little different during the listen of this album. And I felt like this was, this was well placed. Is it my favorite song on the album? No. Uh, but I think it's a good addition because it's different. Mm -hmm. That's fair. Fair, fair enough. So, all right, last track of the normal album. Breathe in the flames.
Oh, Ryan, what do you think? So, the first couple of times I heard this song, I didn't love it. Like, the way that it, it kind of comes in and his vocal delivery and whatnot. The more that I played it, though, the more it grew on me. And I love that chorus. I love the delivery of Breathe in the Flames. It's it's a funky song. It's a little weird at times, but I like it more every time I hear it. This is a song that grows on me every time I hear it. So it's reached a point where it's it's in a higher higher tier for me overall. It's not the tippy top, but it's been climbing steadily up the mountain of metal. Uh, and I like it a lot, man. I think it's it's a cool it's a really cool song. I think the chorus is awesome. I think the kind of unique melody and stuff it has going on is really rad. For an ender, because this I guess technically ends the album. Yeah. I, it feels like kind of a weird choice to me to be an ender, but I still really, really like it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what song I would have picked. Maybe Pull Me From The Void or something might have been an ender for me. I'm not sure, but I really like it. I think Breathing The Flames is, is a rad song, and it's it has certainly grown on me over time. Yeah, the only thing that I'm the exact same way as you, Ryan. Like this one, I was like, wow, why is this really technically in the album? hate the intro hate the intro but as soon as we get past that like first like 10 seconds you typically don't like kind of slow melodic instrumental intros no i i do at times but it just it it feel like it just doesn't fit this song Hmm. in that's actually fair like, like if you play the beginning like you could just jump in at like I could honestly just pick up right at yeah. twenty seconds in. I got some. I got some quotes on that intro too. Yeah. So yeah. So we got this, or you've got. You know, like you could have picked up right at twenty-one seconds. Yeah. I have it on my notes right right at twenty-one seconds. Yeah. You just like just like to pick it up right there. That would have been fine. Like that's how the song could start there. You know. But like, does that? Because I think, because, you know, first impressions matter. If that's the very first thing, I was like, okay, no, you lost me already. But then, like, no, no, stick it out, stick it out. Like, it gets good. And it does get good. The, you know, it's got a really cool story. And, I mean, I think it is a good, it's a good song. It has definitely grown on me over time because I'm just like, you know, I've got to get over the fact I hate the intro, but then... Once I get to the actual song, I was like, great. If we just shorten it down by 20 seconds in the in the front end, it'd be a great song. And the back um, end, too. Yeah, and like his voice sounds good uh, again, right? But, um, but yeah. Chris, what do you think? I It's funny. Like, I don't agree with a lot <laughs> of what was said, but um, good. I think out of all the songs we heard, I can't think of another song to end the album with. Maybe I think right. this is the song that <laughs> needs to end the album. Um, and I will say, uh, I did write down a specific, they have what I call the triple M intro. The very beginning, reminiscent of early Metallica when they start like with, well, let's think uh, like what battery. Yeah. Uh, battery. Uh, Fight fire with fire, that mm-hmm. acoustic intro. Uh, granted, it's not as intricate, but it goes to that directly. And I want you to play this from the beginning. So just play the first, we're going to play the first 40 seconds of this song. It starts with a Metallica-like intro with the acoustic guitar. And then right at 21 seconds, goes directly into a non-apologetic Megadeth riff. Mm-hmm. It's no per note. Like, this is a Megadeth riff at 21 seconds. 
Not a doubt, 100%. And then right at 31 seconds, you have this dissonant Mastodon riff, which is going to come in right now. But uh, that, but I, I feel like it works, right? Like those three work together, and then yeah, I really we, like. When you put vo- it that way, yes, I, I agree with you. Yeah. You're right. You're good. His vocal style, I really like it. I really like the like. It feels um, genuine, right? Like there's emotion behind it. Um, it. This all this song also has one of my favorite musical moments in the whole album. It's right at three minutes and thirty eight seconds. They mix that solo directly into a heavy ass breakdown, and I think it works really well. Pantera-esque, right? Yeah. And then it just goes nuts. Yes, I'm a fan of this song. Uh, It's different than the rest, and that's why I think it works really well where it was placed. Mm. But that's where I am with that song. Yeah, when you say like, and that's why, Ryan and I both said, like, this song has grown on me. Um, Like, the more and more you listen, it was like, like, man, this is a really good song. It's, It's a lot of fun. Um, but it just get through that first intro. I was like, Ugh, just jump right yeah. into it. But, well, that's the other thing is a very digestible album, right? Like this album yeah. is approachable. And then that song has some challenging bits that again, grow on you the more you listen to it. But when you first listen to it, you're like, I don't know, there's a lot happening. Like it takes a little, a few listens. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's head on to it. Next track. Cease all your fire. This feels like an outro credits song to me. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a cool yep. song. Yep. I don't mind it at all. Uh, I know you just said this, but I definitely agreed. Or uh, never mind, you didn't say it. But this sounds like a bonus track. I mean, it does. It sounds it sounds like what would be playing during the end credits of something. 
So I like it. No real complaints, but also it doesn't have the same level that other songs do. So it's good. Don't mind it, but I get why it's a bonus track. So, yeah, I, I think calling it an end credits track is is a great way to put it. And Adam, I'm sure you can relate. And any of your listeners have been in bands like sometimes you have some really cool musical ideas and you kind of get a song together, but there's something missing or there's something that's not developed and you just can't get it there. So you have to kind of just let it go. This feels like one of those where I'm like, this is the it, it could have been a song. It just feels like it didn't mature fully. Right. It's like almost there. But there's something missing in it. Like, I like the ideas of it, but it just feels incomplete is how I would put it. So as a bonus track, I'm not mad at it, but I don't I wouldn't replace a song on the album for it. That's just my opinion, though. I, it's the, I think this is the sister song to Breathe in the Flame. OK, like they both they both kind of they both start almost identical with a slow intro and then jump right in and kick right in. They've got kind of similar lyrical content with fire and flames and everything. And I, th- <clears throat> and I think, you know, when they recorded, like it was a toss up. Okay. Which one's going to be the closer? Cause he's already fire. Like Ryan says, does sound like a, could be a good closing song, but after you explained it and it makes a lot more sense, you just breathing the flames just sounds a lot more of a complete, well put together song with all the inc- intricacies of all the different parts. Whereas, Desalt Your Fire just has just a, a through line, but nothing that really ever just kind of grabs you and hooks you all the way through. I mean, it's got a nice a nice chorus. Um, I like the you know the thump and um, grind to the the verses, but you know I, I I don't call it a skipper, but it's just something that's like eh, you know just just let it play through. It's fine. I mean, it's not a bad song by any means, but. Um, I mean, I, I think I liked this one better. Like that slow intro, I think worked better than Breathing the Flames. But in the end, they're almost, you know, just two songs on the same coin, you know. So before we go into our last one, I will mention, I have actually never heard these two songs before. Oh, today. you haven't? Because oh. I've never heard. I've only heard the standard edition of Silence in the Snow. That's one I have. Gotcha. So I listen to these. I, I didn't. I don't know. I just wanted to do that. Why do you not that buy the always deluxe or special editions? I CD. don't know. I had it on. I, I don't know. I just I'd never heard these two. So I looked at special edition and I listened to them today. And I, I don't feel like I've missed much, but let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. All right. Last track. The darkness of my mind. Guiding light in the 
right, Chris. We're doing this album for you, buddy. Last track. I know you just heard it probably the first time today. But what I do you did. Think? Well, I, I'll tell you, unlike the last one, this feels like a complete song. Like it's well, it's all together and it's a good composition and it flows well. My only thing is when I first heard, it, I'm like, oh, this isn't a, a Trivium song. Like I thought it was a cover song. It does not sound to me like one of their songs. Like I had to look at the credits and be like, oh, they did write it. But to me, the lyrics are very bullet like to me, like bullet from a Valentine esque. And the guitar work is not what I expect out of them. It's not bad. Um, but yeah, I. I was totally convinced this was a cover song when I first heard it. I don't hate it. I don't think it belongs on the album, so I wouldn't re replace any song on the album with it. See, it would be out of place. It just, it was strange to me. And maybe I'm the only one that thinks that, but it just didn't sound like a Trivium song to me. Okay. Orion? That is fair. They do a lot of covers, like especially on the end of their deluxe editions. So I, I actually like this song quite a bit. I think it's it's overall pretty solid. I think this song frankly deserves to be on the album and i think i would have feedback of yeah, this is a good song this belongs i'm glad it's on the album i probably wouldn't have a ton to say other than it's pretty good i like it makes sense that it's here i think this could replace a few songs on the album personally like i think this song should be on the album itself it is a little funkalicious but i i, I like it i think the vocal delivery and whatnot is cool i think it's pretty unique but i think it it, it fits well i would Probably replace three or four songs from the album with this one. Wow. Okay. Personally. But Maybe I need to listen to it a few more times. It's a cool song. It is really cool. Um, it feels more flushed out than Seize All Your Fire, although I do also like that song. But I would agree Seize All Your Fire feels like bits and pieces of a song. This feels like a song they finished and they were like, this feels a little wonky. We don't know if we want to put it in. And I wish they did. Uh, because sorry, I'm still getting used to the name of these bonus tracks. I thought you said seesaw on fire, like seesaw on fire, <laughs> like a playground utensil or whatever. Like, yeah, that's, that's like a feature. death clock song. Yeah, yeah. speaking seesaw of on fire, new death clock album came out. I added know. To the roadmap. Ooh. Just came out like a few days ago. Super so, excited. Gonna have to do that. Anyways, yeah, it's a good song. I like it. Deserves to be right smack dab in the middle of the album, in my opinion. Adam. All right, there's one part I want to play real quick. Hold, please. That part. Something about it, I think it's coming out of like this just driving groove in the delivery from Matt just really just seals the deal for me. Um, this song should be on the album. It can replace, uh, it's probably only three songs I think it could replace, but Actually, this song too, yeah. gets all the ink wow what? a bonus track stamp a bts bro <laughs> <laughs> a boy band this, stamp. a boy band when, stamp dude so this album comes out in the fall of 2015 and dude this album's almost 10 years old that's crazy what the my album hips. comes out comes out in the fall of 15 in you know, I'm still going through like a bunch of stuff in my head a lot of times, 
And these lyrics just reached out and grabbed me. Um, and it has just had a permanent seat, you know, in my mind. When I think of Silence and Snow, I think of this song. That's this so is, crazy. I, I know it's crazy to be a bonus track, but I think of this song as Silence in the Snow. It isn't, you know, the you know, isn't the out, you know, the title track. It's not, uh, you know, Dead and Gone and Blindly the Blind. It's not. It doesn't have like all those real intricacies of what makes Trivium Trivium. But this just has just enough of everything to satisfy me. The guitars are great. That you know, that bridge of how much longer must I face a world imploding, falling grace? How much longer must I face myself exploding? I'm erased. And then light becomes darkness over and over again. Um, it like just, this song is a 10 out of 10. I love it. I listen to this song. Whenever I'm going back to Silence of the Snow, this is the one I start with. Like wow. I hands down love this song. And I remember one time I had it on my, you know, I had obviously listened to music on my phone and I wasn't playing it through Spotify. I was just playing it through like the music and I could modulate it and slow it down and like put a lot of bass in the vocals and it got real like dark and creepy. And I just thought it was fucking cool or I'd speed it up. It, it was just, it was fun. But now this song is a 10 out of 10 for me. Wow. And it's why I wanted to do this album was is, is to get to this song in particular because it just hmm. it, there's been several songs that we've done throughout the podcast of you know talk about you know, core memories or something that is just so impactful and this is one of them man this is one of them Wow with that being said uh, let's get to probably one of the most hellacious parts of doing the podcast, and especially after hearing some feedback on certain songs, just how vastly different our rankings shall mm-hmm. soon be. I'm ready. Time to rank, and let's rock and roll. So we're not doing Snowfall, obviously, as the album intro, so we're doing 12 tracks. Sounds of the snow through the darkness of my mind. Chris, as our guest, lead us off. What is your number 12? My number 12 in the lowest spot, and again, new to me um, today, uh, is Cease All Your Fire. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Ryan? Ghost That's Haunting You comes in at 12 for me. All right. My number 12 is... Beneath the sun. Huh. Hmm. Number 11 for you, Chris. This is where things are going to get a little heated. Uh-oh. Again, first time hearing it today, it's the <laughs> darkness of my mind at number 11. Come on. Oh, just breathe, breathe. <laughs> Ryan, you're number 11. Uh, mine is also, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> number 11 is the thing that's killing me comes in at 11. Okay. Uh, my number eleven is the first bonus track, "Seesaw Your Fire." Mm. Number ten for you, Chris. Number ten, 
Uh, this is, again, going to make someone mad. Rise Above the Tides. <laughs> I knew Spirit that was going to happen. God. It's just boring <laughs> to me. It's fine. It's just out of all the... I consider the first... The, the What is it? Ten tracks, not including Snowfall. That's the album I'm used to. So I'm used to hearing it in that order. And so those last two bonus tracks, it's different for me because you guys have heard them so many times. I haven't had a chance to digest them. You know, Chris, that's but, perfectly fine yeah. because this actually will tie into my final thoughts, which is okay. fantastic. Uh, Ryan, you're number 10. Cease All Your Fire comes in at 10. Uh, my number 10 is with 66 million plays until the world goes cold. Oh, interesting. As I said, it's a good song. I like it. I gave it a 7 out of 10 stars, but there are Plenty of other songs that rival this still in this album. So, yeah. Number nine for you, buddy. My number nine is The Ghost That's Haunting You. It's fine. The Kurt Cobain thing really, it's neat, but it just didn't do it for me. All right. Number nine for you, Iran. Beneath the Sun comes in at number nine. It's a cool song. I like it. It's grown on me, but yeah. And as we sway like magnets that try to push each other apart, at number nine, Chris and I are like attracted magnets with the ghost this is that's the haunting you. Convoluted ass analogy ever. You know what this makes me think of? I was I was so confused. Night one of Metallica at the movie theater. I don't know if I told you this, Chris. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on. Staying on track. Yep. Number nine, are, the ghost that's haunting you. Okay, cool. Yep. We match Only up. time we'll ever agree. Yes. Number eight. <laughs> My number eight is Beneath the Sun. Sludgy oh. and cool, but I, I think, Orion, and I, I think we just flip-flopped on a couple of those, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's fine. Number eight for you. Until the world right. goes cold. Okay. Oh, boy. Chris hasn't put it out there yet. Jesus Christ. No, not yet. My number eight is Breathe in the Flames. Hmm. Oh, okay. Interesting. Number seven for you. My number seven, Blind Leading the Blind. Whoa, okay. Yeah. Uh, That's a hard... This is where things are getting a little difficult because I like basically all the songs in this album. So yeah. getting this middle part in an order yeah. was difficult. But after listening to it again and hearing what you guys had to say, that's where I'm putting it. The right degree of separation seven. is thin when you get into the songs you like actually like. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Number seven for you. Darkness of My Mind comes in at number seven. So it would be number on the album for me. I like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah my number yeah. seven is... Dead and Gone with 8 out of 10 stars. Okay. Still, again, we're in that part where we like these songs. It's hard yeah, I, I, I like the song. It's just, it's, oh. you know, when you've got to rank them, you got to rank them. So, number six for you, Chris. My number six, and this is what put it, um, it's the the shred fest that brought this up for me is the thing that's killing me. The, the guitar work and that bridge is, is bananas. So, as a guitarist, I'm like, yeah, I, that, that puts it up there for me. Yeah. That part's cool. That's really the only thing about that song that I like, though. Hence, 11 for me. I also like video games. Yeah. <laughs> number six, right. Orion. Rise Above the Tides comes with number six. 
And just as Chris and I are northbound magnets, my number six, we (laughs) flip that magnet around, and the thing that's killing me is also number six. Okay, okay. This is so. I I guess that means we agree. Yeah, (laughs) you could have just said we agree, and we would. What is the quote from? Well, there are certain things that we definitely repel against. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. We have we, we we meet in the middle. I guess is ways. There is a insane clown posse song, and one of the Uh-oh. lyrics is, I think it's Ma- talking about magnets. Ma- How the fuck do they work? Yeah, it's it's about like <laughs> miracles or something like that. Jeff Mayer usually quoted all the time. And I don't remember how the song goes. There's part of it that is like magnets. How the fuck do they work? And then it goes. <laughs> <to the next laughs> uh, yeah. All right, number five, Chris. What you got? All right, now my number five. The obvious single from the album, which until tonight, I didn't realize it's the second longest song, longest song, longest song on the album as being the most radio friendly. I think it's the guitar nonsense around 305. And that's why I I, I think it's a well-written song. And although it's an unapologetically radio single, they don't let that get in the way of their crazy guitar work. I, I'm really a big fan of the solo writing in this album, and I feel yeah. like it's just a good song all around. I feel like you guys might have fatigue on it. Again, seeing it live so many times, maybe it's magic has died for you. But when I just look at the bare bones of what this is, it's a well-written song. I will give you, and I'll, I'll say this, as far as like live ballad songs, if Trivium are, are popular, like hyper-popular songs, if this one stayed on the set list, I wouldn't be as upset. However, we frequently get like Until the World Goes Cold, Heart from Your Hate, and Strife, right. and sometimes also Feast of Flames. And it's just like there's so many of these like formulaic-ish radio right. type songs. However, mm-hmm. I will agree, Until the World Goes Cold is probably the strongest one of that like particular mix of songs. Yeah, that, yeah that's why I said it earlier. So mm-hmm. number five for you, Urban. Breathe in them flames comes in at number five. Right. My number five is with nine out of ten stars, pull me from the void. Mm. Yep. That's fair. Again, we're in happy land territory. Yeah, we like all this. Yeah. Good song. All right. Number four for you, Chris. My number four with that super sludgy riff and vocal delivery uh, is Dead and Gone. I mm. do like that song quite a lot. Tasty. And the chorus is kick ass. Right. And number four for you. Blind leading the blind comes in number four for me. Hmm. Uh, my number four is the album opener Silence in the Snow. Oh, okay. And number three for you, Chris. My number three um, is the uh, Metallica Megadeth Mastodon introduction <laughs> Breathe in the Flames. I, I really like the song. Good song. Guitarically, as as some would say, is that Schultz who said that, or you? Who said that first? <laughs> that was Schultz. Guitarically, yes. All right, number three for you, Ryan. Number three, Dead and Gone. Comes okay. at number three. I really Close. like that song. Uh, my number three is the blind leading the blind. Uh, Again, number the two end. for you, Chris. My number two. Setting a uh, flip flop. Great title track. Silence in the Snow. Dio influences, thumping bass, great chorus, delivery. People weren't expecting it, I think, when this album came out. Like, that's what hits you first. They're like, oh, this is different. 
Yeah. Uh, big fan of that. Ryan? My number one and two are both tied 10 out of 10 bangers, but my number two is Pull Me From The Void. It comes in at number two. Fucking love that song. Fantastic. Just an epic heavy metal song. Uh, my number two... <laughs> And as the magnets <laughs> with Chris at number 10, my number two is Rise Above the Tides, which puts Chris at number one. Pull, Pull me, me from-, from the Void, my absolute favorite trivium song of all time. And to plug it, if you look up me on of YouTube at Wizard Shred, you can see me playing it. So great, great song. Big fan of that. The damn yeah, yes, one hundred percent. This is my favorite trivium song. That's crazy. All right, number one for you, Ryan. Super hyper original. The title track is my favorite song on this album. Sounds of the Snow is my favorite song on this album. Which puts my number one at the darkness of my mind. <laughs> which the Chris and I are. Track. We're right there with you at twelve or eleven <laughs> and seven, seven and eleven. So let's. Yeah. Let me, let's good. run it down. Yep. So Silence in the Snow at so me, Orion, Chris at four, one, and two. Sounds good. Blindly the Blind at three, four, seven. Good enough. Dead and Gone, seven, three, four. I like that. The Ghost That's Haunting You, nine, twelve, and nine. Pull Me From the Void, five, two, one. That's fine. Until the World Goes Cold, ten, eight, and five. Off the rails we go with Rise Above the Tides at 2, 6, and 10. <laughs> the Thing That's Killing Me at 6, 11, and 6. Okay. Beneath the Sun, 12, 9, 8. Breathe in the Flames, 8, 5, 3. Seesaw Your Fire, makes sense, 11, 10, and 12. And Absolute Madness, The Darkness <laughs> of My Mind at number 1 for me, number 7 for Orion, and... Fucking 11 for Chris. <laughs> there is an asterisk because you didn't hear these two songs until today. True. So I will give you that sentiment. Um, I've, you know, comp- let's circle back in a year and see where this may rank later. So I think on, our two but- biggest um, songs of where we didn't fall anywhere near each other was probably Until the World Goes Cold and Darkness of My Mind. Is that right? Those no. two are the ones that were. No, 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 no because. The Dark Time of Mine, it's 1 in 11 as the magnets. I'm still confused about other. the magnets. My question. Because like, <laughs> we're on opposite ends. We just push away from each other. Okay. We're on opposite ends okay. of the rankings. And Rise of the, Odds, Rise of the Tides at 2 in 10. This is going to be the and... most confusing. Yeah, I'm so confused. Sorry. But... Fucking magnets, man. <laughs> How do they work? You just kept like, it, you, this is a uh, clearly a visual podcast. But Adam would be like, it's, anytime we agree to say this thing, he'd be like, it's like we're magnets. And his fingers get closer together. We'd disagree. He'd be like, it's like they're magnets. And his hand just goes <laughs> the, <opposite. laughs> the other way. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, holy that shit. is silence That's in the it. snow, silence my boys. Final uh, thoughts. So, final thoughts. Um, so, Chris, this is why I wanted you on here okay. for this album in particular, is because when actually I think it's one of the first times I really met you. We were talking about oh, trivium. No. Like, I like trivium, and I was like, "Which favorite?" Like, so I was like, "What? That's your favorite trivium album?" And he's like, "Yeah." Well, if you met me before, then I would have said I don't really like trivium. I've seen him live a couple times, uh, and I'm just like, eh. and, and here, here's I think the biggest. Um, 
switching point for me with why I like this album is, and I'll put this in the chat too, is it just to screenshot my notes. Um, the the two words that you know traditional metalheads might say in negatively against Trivium is that they're formulaic and derivative, right? Uh, okay. They follow a pretty standard song structure, and their influences are pretty obvious. But I feel like with this album, they're just like, yep, yes, we are. And we're going to put it to 11. Like they took there. It's obviously influenced by Dio, Iron Maiden. You got Megadeth and, and Metallica riffs in there. Um, but they take it and they just make it awesome. They, I think they unapologetically do these two things and they do it really well on this album. And I feel like as silly as it sounds, taking that derivativeness, um, made a unique more unique sound than i heard on their previous albums to me the other albums i listen to i'm like oh, this is good it just doesn't do anything for me it's not special enough for some reason this album when i heard it i'm like yeah now i understand like this sort of got me into uh liking more of their music and going back and listening to their other stuff again after i did that this is still my favorite album gotcha yeah and that's you know i think just the and as we obviously saw tonight the vast difference of what I like from this and what you like is just very telling. Mm-hmm. Um, it, is, it is pretty interesting, I, I thought, in, which was makes this kind of fun is that we are all over the place in terms of what we like and what we you know, may not like as much. You know, I don't think we really dislike anything on this album. Um, but it's just fun, Belt. You know, we each cling to certain songs for different reasons. And... It's just a really good album. So, I mean, my, my final thought really is I like this album because it is a big transition now. It's definitely grown on me as time's gone on in terms of, yeah, I was disappointed when there weren't any harsh vocals on it because, I mean, just like we talked about All the Remains last week, it's just you get you look, or in flames that the band grows, you stick with them, but they release an album that you don't like and you try and give them a shot every single time. Maybe they'll come back to the the heavy stuff that you you know liked originally, and then. But South of the Snow is that yes, while it didn't have any harsh vocals, the strength in Matt Heavey's voice, the you know the good guitar work throughout the album, and just the overall good. I think I mean yeah, formulaic and derivative they may, they may be, they're still good songs. Yeah, and I just wish that more people would they would play more songs from this album. Or flip, you know, rotate out th- until the world goes cold, mm-hmm. um, and play other songs. You know, play the deep cuts. I mean, I mean, beneath the sun, even though it's you know, was my number twelve, my last song would be a fucking crazy deep cut if they brought it out, man. Um, same thing with Dead and Gone. Um, I'd love to see Dead and Gone. Yeah. So, and I but, think, I mean, like I you think... mentioned, with uh, some of the Metallica songs, like I think some of these songs would sound really good live i think they would yeah. play really well live mm-hmm. um yeah but you know yeah, yeah i mean like i said it would be that'd be a really good song i think to play live you know um but i mean overall i think it's a good thing because this album i think saved trivium from falling to the you know the all the remains of the world in, in my yeah. eyes in the sense that you know you release in waves you release vengeance falls all right silence and it's like great like I, i'm done I'll stick with Ascendancy Crusade and Shogun and be happy with it. But this brings it back around, puts them on the right track, 
you know, they get Alex Bent in the band, you know, for the next album, and then they've just have become, you know, a touring behemoth and have get, have gotten a lot more. You know, I think with social media and with everyone doing all the live streams, they're just getting more and more recognition and getting more exposure. And sure, the singles help that for sure, but it's 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 good to like like a band that you can see them being successful and, you're, and we're following that, you know, that train as it moves along album by album. So, you know, this one, it's a good heavy metal album. And I'm glad they released it because it does kind of differentiate themselves and it's not just the same album, just with a different, you know, coat of paint on it, you know? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I think that the album was, was needed uh, for the health and future trajectory of the band because if they just kept with the formulaic vengeance falls thing they would have just become another breaking benjamin-esque radio quote-unquote metal band so i really like it i mean i've said before that shogun and in waves are my favorite trivium albums and that's why i got into them but first and foremost i just like heavy metal i like a lot of traditional heavy metal and you know british new wave of heavy metal and stuff like that so like chris said just being unapologetically like yep this is you know, these are our influences. We're going to make an album that showcases that and we're going to do it really, really well. And I think that this is a great example of that. So anybody who's like, oh, it doesn't have the screams of ascendancy couldn't do it anymore. And, you know, this was what they came out of it. And I think it ended up being a net positive for them because it basically forced the band to either Matt needs to learn how to sing properly or you guys Healthily. have to stop recording. Um, Healthily is probably a better way to put it. Yeah. So, you know, I think it was a necessary catalyst. I, I, really really like this album a lot i don't think it gets its just due and i'd love to see more from it on live shows probably not going to happen but i would love right. a surprise appearance here and there and as i've mentioned i'm not as much of a trivium fan as you and adam are obviously but this is one of my go-to albums of any band like mm-hmm. just on my regular playlist i'm like yes i will listen to this happily uh there's a few like band or albums i was like yep would this is desert album you know or desert island album i would just listen to this i like this album a lot it's a great album. But we're only two years shy from the 10-year anniversary, so maybe we'll get, you know, a complete album playthrough. Ooh. But they probably won't play If You Saw Your Fire or the best song on the album, The Dark Souls. <laughs> <laughs> Bastards. Just like they wouldn't play A Grace of Dark on the In Waves playthrough. Bastards. Well, but- like magnets sailing in the night, I guess we should <laughs> probably get ready to close this out. Does that mean yes. we're starting over? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, well, again, thank you, Chris, for stopping in. I'm really glad you get, uh, we could finally get this on the schedule for you. Yeah. And also, thank you. Uh, I have to give a tremendous, you know, thank you for helping us out with the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, just all you do, especially helping us get the audio and everything put together. That I, I really greatly appreciate that, man. It means oh, a man. lot to us. I appreciate you having me on here, listening to my yeah. old man ramblings about <laughs> my weird The darkness like of that. my mind. Are you not yeah. putting me down, are you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> well, uh, again, so thanks to all listeners week in and week out. Definitely appreciate all the support and feedback we get. Uh, please continue to follow us on Facebook and on, I guess it's now called X. If I would just start saying that X, Twitter, whatever, uh, the metal Oasis podcast. And then the best way to contact us is uh, the metal Oasis at gmail.com. Again, that's the metal Oasis at gmail.com. Uh, Orion. Thank you, buddy. Chris. Thank you again. And with that, I will catch you all on the flip side. Later. See you guys.